This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnick. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. I'm Evan Novi williams And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Today, we begin with how the San Francisco 49ers are trying a new business model. See, I was doing my... Uh, you were doing your Facenda thing yeah. again. <laughs> Awful. Oh, Scott, we are joined by a very special guest. We are chatting with Al Guido, president of the San Francisco 49ers. Thanks for coming in, Al. Thanks for having the us. The undefeated, it. undefeated, undefeated San Francisco 49ers. I got to tell you the story. My wife went Bart to the game. Bart, you into it. All right. I, I got to say, she <laughs> no, was... No, no, Michael, go ahead. <laughs> no, I got to tell you the story. She went to the FedEx, and she's a huge 49ers fan. And, I mean, it's a monsoon a that's out on? there. <laughs> Nine to nothing. And she's out there, and uh, oh my goodness, she's been bragging down my throat, man. It's like how her team is great, and my Detroit Lions stink. Right, yeah, I'll just leave we won there. the Mud Bowl. Yeah, we created the NFL <laughs> slip and slide. That's what that's what it Those, was about. This best give me a little John Facenda again, and in the uh, yeah, here we go. It was oh, it was a slush. Think he'd be good at this, and he's so bad. You make me laugh, <laughs> man, sorry, when I'm you sorry. do it, man. It's like how can I say ask this him slug? about food? Ask yeah. him about food. How'd your wife like the food there at Levi? She loved the food at uh, Levi Stadium. And if she was there instead of FedEx Field, she would have eaten even more. So bad. So bad. (laughs) He has this baritone you'd think it'd be a good facenda, and it's so bad. (laughs) Anyway. So you got a new initiative. If I'm a season ticket holder for the Niners, I don't have to bring too much cash these days because my non-alcoholic beverages and a host of your offerings – Hot dogs, fries, that sort of stuff, included in the price of my ticket. All included. Yep. For 60,000 season ticket holders. First team to ever do it at this scale. So most buildings, as you guys know, have always had sort of their most premium, whether it be suites or club tickets. Um, they've always had general all-inclusive food and beverage, but no one's done it at 60,000. And there's a lot of reasons. Most of it is probably operational in nature, but it's also technological in the sense of, you know, how do I know – Who's a season ticket member? Who's not? Right. With Answer mo- those questions. How do we know? So mobile ticketing now. I mean, given the fact that we now know exactly the origin of where you got your seat, whether it was transferred to you, whether you bought it on the secondary market, whether you bought it from us on the primary market, that gives us the ability to be able to understand who you are. No different, frankly, if you think about airlines. Right. You go in. If you have a mobile ticket, it'll literally say TSA pre-check, and they just do a visual check when you walk to the line, and that puts you in. We can do it in a low-tech way, the same way. We can say season ticket member, low-tech, go to the all-inclusive stand. We can have non-all-inclusive stands. So for us, it's about driving membership value for the season tickets. So it's only on the 60,000 season tickets that we sell. Anybody who buys an individual ticket or on the secondary market still has to pay at the concession stands. You know what you should call it? You know, for 49ers fans, oh God. it's food's gold. See? See? Oh. Come on, everybody. Oh God. Come on, work with me, people. I hate when he snacks before the show. It's, it's, it's really difficult when he snacks before the show. I didn't think that was terrible. For <laughs> I mean, you, you never really know where he's going. So whose idea was it? 
It was uh, our idea along with our concessionaire at Levy. So Levy last year, or two years ago now, I guess, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So Arthur Blank went to what he calls street fair pricing. And I had worked for Arthur in my consulting days at my past job. And Arthur's whole thought was, you go to the Masters, right? You pay for that experience. But why should a hot dog be any different than it is on the street versus where you get it in a stadium? Somebody has got to answer this question for me. Every time I go and I see a water is eight bucks, a beer is twelve bucks, I the pitchforks aren't out yet, but I've always said they're coming. I just, only because you're holding me hostage and I need it and I want it. My kids here screaming for popcorn. I've got to pay the price. But Scott, man, it just never made sense to me. Scott, that's exactly what went into our rationale. So we had six years worth of surveys and focus groups, and and everybody will tell you the same thing. You can you can get super smart in operations or retail or everything else, but honestly, it comes down to really four factors. One, it's performance on the field. Obviously, that matters when you're buying a season ticket. Then it's some sort of price sensitivity. And then the two variables, one is operations that you need to do a good job is parking. It's always a mathematical equation that's hard in any venue. But food, people, exactly what you thought. They, were, they thought they were getting gouged just because you could. And Arthur really changed you know, sort of the dynamic in that front. And we felt like that's the right way to go as we think about having only 10 games. Um, but for us, it was removing the friction of having the checkout. If you think about queuing lines and all of those good things, we really felt like this was sort of the next wave of what's going to happen, certainly in, in our opinion in Stadia. Arena might be different, ballpark might be different because of the quantity of games. But when you're talking about 10 games, it's it's frankly, I don't want to say it's easy to pull off. It's just easier than some of those other buildings. And give us a sense what this looks like on your balance sheet. You mentioned the Falcons with Arthur Blank. You know, they cut prices dramatically. They sold a lot more goods, but the margins were a lot smaller. And they didn't make more money, at least not in year one of that experiment. Is this a, a situation where you're willing to make less money on food to, to be a better experience? Or do you think this actually makes more money in the Before long you run? answer, what's your per cap? It depends on if you include alcohol. We, we've gone upwards of $20. Sometimes we go down to $10 if you remove sort of the alcohol portions of it. Um, it depends on each individual event. Concerts are better than football. So call it anywhere between 10 and 20 bucks. Okay. All right. So, Evan, to answer your question, um, we don't believe we'll make any more money on this. Frankly, we might make less. And truthfully, if you think about it, this is not a big line item as an NFL football franchise. I mean, we all talk about sort of the four big line items, right? It's media, it's tickets, it's suites, and it's sponsorship. How small is food? I mean, look, it, depending upon your cogs or labor, it might be a couple million dollars, right? In the grand scheme of things. Per Backup year? tackle. Per year. Per year. Per year. Yeah. And so, you know, for our for our for us, it's all about value of as a, as a season ticket member. And in Levi Stadium. We have stadium builders license or seat licenses. Most people report them on. And so what is going to continue to make fans make that commitment to buy the annual license plus buy every single game? We felt like this is one where we should give on. And if it ultimately also increase the experience or remove some of the, again, the friction of the operational challenges that we have, uh, we think it's a win-win. And how much more valuable for you, for the 49ers, is a season ticket holder versus a more casual single buyer? I mean, I, I cover Nike, for example. Nike members on their app spend three times more than non-members on Nike.com. How much more valuable is a 49ers season ticket holder than, than a single-game buyer? I mean, without without giving the actual number because it's hard. I mean, it's so much more valuable in the season ticket base. We have one of the largest percentage of capacity of season ticket holder members out there. So you can imagine, right, if it's a supply-demand issue, if all of a sudden we had 10,000 individual game tickets to sell, our prices might be different. And so for us, 
I think in the NFL, obviously all of our teams are probably a little bit better off maybe than somebody that has a larger quantity of tickets to sell. Um, but we start off every year with sixty, with literally over ninety percent of our building fully sold hmm. before the year even starts. And so, what that means from an operational perspective, what that means from a content perspective, it makes our business a lot easier to manage. All right now, I'm going to let you get off on this one and let you uh, brag a little bit. The retention rate for your season ticket holders, I was shocked. I, I didn't know it until your your man extraordinaire behind you, Roger Hacker, sent it over. But ninety what percent is your retention rate Nin- for season ticket 98. holders? Ninety-eight. Ninety-eight percent. What are the two percent unhappy with? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, listen, we uh, they call themselves the faithful for a reason, and they've proven it. I mean, we have not, as you guys know, in the six years we've well, this is your six in the in the years in which we've operated in that building, we have not been great on the football field. And so that's the one thing you can't guarantee. I would thing. never ever sell success in the sporting arena. You're going to come. You're going to have a good time. You can you can promise atmosphere. You can promise entertainment. You cannot guarantee wins. That's exactly right. And look, that's I, all I can do is focus on areas in which we can improve off the field, and then hopefully Kyle and John Lynch and all those guys focus on on the field. So I mean, our fans. Look, we have one of the largest fan bases in the entire National Football League. We have season ticket holders in every state. We have one of the largest social digital followings. Thirty percent of the people inside of Levi Stadium on every given Sunday are actually new. And so, look, it's not just in Levi Stadium. If you look at what we did in L.A. a couple weeks back when we went to that building, you know, I don't know how many fans were there, but it felt like 50% of that building was San Francisco 49ers fans. You guys fans. travel so well. We do. And that, you know, if you if you follow the team in the 80s and obviously in the 90s, we were the team that everybody looked at. And, look, I, I think the Rams are doing a great job. The Chargers are getting there. But they were without a football team for a long period of time. And so – there was a lot of people in Southern California that ultimately deferred to being a San Francisco 49er fan. So we have a lot of fans there. But even this past weekend in D.C. or in Landover, Maryland, there was a ton of faithful in that building. And so Candlestick Park, whether we were good or at the very end there, um, not so good. It was always full with season ticket holders. Like the San Francisco Bay Area, I mean, if you look at the Warriors, if you look at the Sharks, if you look at the Giants, all the teams that are located there, and even now the A's, who've had a couple good years, it's really a tremendous market for sports fans. My oldest sister still funds over Montana. <laughs> Listen, I mean, and I think there's something to be said. I mean, like my mother, you know, my mother is a big Irish Catholic who was raised a Notre Dame sports fan, having Joe play at Notre Dame. So I, all of those things sort of combine into this large fandom that we have, and then you add on sort of the Stanford following. So there's a lot of people in that market, whether it's Bill Walsh, John Lynch. We've got a bunch of Stanford guys on the team now. It just you know creates this inertia, frankly, that's above and beyond what's already there for the 49ers. Tell your mom to sample Yeshiva basketball. I think she'll like it. <laughs> All I'm going to say is I bought my wife one year a 49ers helmet Signed by Joe Montana for Christmas. Sure it was. Best Christmas I ever had in my life, man. Well I'll done, just leave sir. it at that. <laughs> my, my son doesn't listen to the show, but I'm going to tell you really quickly. Like He loves hockey, obviously. So I buy him all the jerseys of his favorite players, and I get them, I'm air quoting, signed. I got my nice gold pen. I look on the web to see what it looks like. He thinks Patrick Kane signed his jersey. That's all oh, I'll say. No. When he's 18, he'll find out it was dead, but whatever. His teammates are You impressed. pulled the okey-doke on your son. I'm not paying that stuff. The one thing you got, like, I talked to uh, Darius Kasparaitis the other day. Former and, Islander. Oh, yeah. And I had to mention, 
I, I grew up a born and raised Philadelphia Flyer fan, and so there's this hit on Eric Lindros yeah, that yeah. arguably could have ended, ended although his career, yeah. most people view Scott Stevens' hit yeah. ending Eric Lindros' career. But, so as, as typical fanhood, even though I'm in the business, I had to bring it up to him on the phone call. That I was pretty unhappy with the hit. Yeah, okay. no, yeah nobody else ever talks to him about <laughs> and then, that. And then I was happy to help him with his sports business class that he wanted to bring to Levi's, but I had to, I had to give him a shot. You know what that story reminds me of that Scott just told? Remember there was an old Leave it to Beaver, and Beaver oh, destroyed his dad's baseball that had Babe Ruth on it, so he tried to fake the ball, and instead he put Baby Ruth on it? Yes. Yeah. See, Most that was you. The yeah, that yeah. was me. That would do it. All right, Al Guido, president of the 49ers, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, guys. And now for some other topics this week, and let's start with the Zion Williamson injury. Now, the Pelicans, they're willing to wait. They don't want to push you know their brand new acquire uh but you know what i'm excited to see them when they play because when they played for their opener uh tuesday they looked pretty good in fact they had they took it to overtime and before toronto could beat them are you talking about like on the court basketball stuff we're yes. talking about the business of zion i know here. i know but I was just couldn't you just that. see when when they put out the press release that zion was out for six to eight weeks with knee surgery, the little meniscus tear repaired. That exclusive sound. Yeah, could, uh, couldn't you just see, though, the facepalm of all the TV executives? The Pelicans, who are without Zion, let's just say, I know they played well in the open, yada, yada, but not exactly a, wow, I got to see this team draw. They've got 30 national TV appearances this year because of one person, Zion Williamson. So here you are, opening night, you want the sizzle, you want all of it, and the main attraction, playing the defending champions, is not there because he's injured. And they've got a bunch more coming up where you're just not going to see the kid on the court. Yeah, to put those 30 in perspective, I believe it's the 10th most of any NBA team. And as you said, Scott, I believe Halloween they're in national primetime. They've got a few kind of right around the, the, the Thanksgiving area, which Zion may or may not be back for. Uh, and it's not just TV. I mean, the, if you look at the, the visiting ticket market. Ticket prices. For, visit, yeah. for, for the Pelicans. Yep. You know, when he... The How Pelic- do you feel if you bought those seats right now? Yeah, I'd be frustrated if I was in Denver and I had paid for the, to see the Pelicans come because I wanted to see him when he the, the Pelicans played the final preseason game here in New York uh, and he didn't end up playing in that that was the first game I think he missed but there was buzz here in New York for a, a preseason game just because Zion Williamson was going to be playing at the Garden so you know I, I think it's a lot more than just the TV I, it, it's a lot of people around the business right here that are a little frustrated that, that the guy everyone wants to be watching is, isn't on the court I yet. wonder how much people paid for those seats moving ahead you know on the secondary market if they were available and what they think they can unload them for anybody yeah, want to take I imagine these the Pelicans floor, tickets the floor off has head? dropped for some Pelican, Pelicans visiting tickets <laughs> anybody want to see markets. Lonzo Ball that's the big rallying cry now. Yes, moving right along. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, there's some uh, big CEO departures at Under Armour and at Nike. Boom, boom. Poor, I, I don't say this often because I sit next to the guy and he doesn't deserve any sympathy, but poor <laughs> Eben Novi underscore Williams, it covers these companies yeah. and, you know, bam, it's Kevin Plank is leaving as CEO, and then that's the jab jab, and then the right hook comes later in the day. Mark Parker is leaving as CEO of Nike, and and poor Novi Williams was left a little bleary-eyed last night. Pretty remarkable that that the two, I mean, two of the biggest companies in that sneaker and sports apparel space made essentially the same announcement. They're longtime CEOs stepping aside, continuing on to manage the board as executive chairman, uh, made essentially the same exact announcement within 
five or six hours of each other um, and two two pretty big pieces of news right and if you look at the way the market reacted it seemed like Under Armour investors were a little happy um, the, the, the stock popped a little bit uh, on the news that Patrick Frist who, who had been Under Armour's president for a couple of years now he was taking over and then for Nike you know kind of status quo there wasn't a, there wasn't a big jump either way jump or drop either way uh, on the news that John Donahoe who's a tech guy is taking over for Mark Parker. In case anybody doesn't know Flank who's stepping down he started that whole thing in his garage and, and all of that in basement and whatever and very similar to, to phil knight selling yeah. shoes very out of similar. the back of his car right. yeah, yeah very, very similar but evan after reading your story what i'm taken by is the fact that this sort of plants nike as a technology company you, I, I found it very interesting for folks don't who don't understand why or what's happening in their retail why don't you explain it? yeah everything nike does right now is tech and mobile and digital related right if you, you give me a to, great stat give me that great stat you said yesterday about the, the nike members versus non yeah members. so nike members spend three times as many uh, as much money and we, we, we talked about it with al earlier as well they spend three times as much as uh, as non-members do right so nike knows that once it gets you in its ecosystem once it knows a little bit more about you it can get you to spend more money right so if you go to their new stores their new retail stores it is pushing the app and phone experience they want you to they walk know around the store with, the with phone your phone out, out. Right, they yeah. want you scanning qr codes they want you Amazing. when you're checking out <laughs> to do it on your phone uh they're buying small tech you know they bought a, an israeli computer vision company that turned into nike fit where you measure your shoes with the app they just bought a consumer metrics uh company that's going to help them get more insights predictive analytics into what consumers want nike is i mean is a shoe and apparel company but it is also a tech company Do and appointing a guy who ran a cloud computing company as their new CEO is exactly along Do those lines. Do they know what size and width Vaporfly Michael Barr is going to wear in the marathon? Uh, they don't, but Michael. <laughs> do, they, do, they, do they know Michael Barr? What's the size and foot? the width of I, the Vaporfly? I wear 10, baby. And I wasn't making any jokes yeah. there, but for those of our listeners who don't know, occasionally Michael Barr creams his feet. It, <laughs> yes, that's out there now. At the at the behest of his wife, Michael oh. Barr creams his feet. In the, it's almost wintertime. Get your cream ready. This podcast is over. <laughs> this, this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. <laughs> Michael Barr along with Scott Soshnick. <laughs> you let that out. And Evan Novi Williams. It's out there. We are. <laughs> Every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, exploring the world of money, sports, and foot cream. <laughs> Join us again at the end of the week when we speak with Sal Galatioto, founder of Galatioto Sports Partners. <laughs> Your You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online and wherever you get your podcast and foot cream. <laughs>